You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. Jesus, we just want to give you all the honor and all the glory and all the praise this morning. Um, God, thank you for bringing us together. Uh, God, thank you for this class. Um, you know, God, coming in with uh, a lot of it's been a crazy four years, three years for us, um, coming in with uh, the uncertainty with COVID um, and just being here during a revival, too. We just, there's just been so much happening, uh, God, and so much we've been through together. And I pray that that just unite us, God, um, in your name. Um, God, and I just pray, I just pray for the speakers this morning, God, and that you just give them peace when they speak um, and that your words just flow through them. Uh, and God, let this morning be for you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hello. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Thanks. Um, hello. Good morning, courageous class. Um, my name is Carmen Clemente. I serve on your thank you. I serve on your class cabinet as the student intercultural programs representative, um, and I will be one of your speakers this morning. Um, uh, today, um, in terms of the theme this morning of unity. I wanted to focus on the uh, unity in the global church. And today I wanted to talk a little bit about language and what, how languages, different languages play a part in the global church. Um, first I'll be talking about different language, languages around the world um, from different countries, but I'll also be talking about the differences of language within the church in terms of like different interpretations and what the Bible says. So a bit about me. I am, I am a, a missionary kid. Um, I spent 14 years of my life before coming here to Asbury in the country of Taiwan. Um, my dad is from the Philippines. He is um, Filipino, so I'm half Filipino. And now my family resides in Illinois. My dad is, uh, still does missionary work in Southeast Asia and Taiwan and Nepal and all that jazz. <laughs> so, um, I have had a lot of firsthand experience with um, witnessing the global church. Um, not saying you can't witness that here in Kentucky, here in the US, but like overseas. Um, so first off, I wanted to read um, a few passages from Acts chapter two. Um, this is when um, Peter and the apostles and Jesus' followers were um, endowed with the Holy Spirit during Pentecost. So I'll read from verses four to six. Um, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. And I'm going to jump to verses 37 to 41. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. So... Um, I'd like to imagine Peter's message in verse uh, 38, that the gospel, the good news, um, was said by the people speaking different languages. 
And that's why there were thousands of new believers that were baptized that very day because they got to hear the good news of Jesus in their language. It's for all people, the good news. And I just, it warms my heart every time I read that passage um, because it just shows how God just like allowed every nation to hear it and to be accepted into the gates of heaven. So a bit about my own personal testimony. Um, growing up, I, I'm going to be honest, I hated going to church because they spoke a different language than me, and I could not understand a word they said. <laughs> um, then um, they spoke um, in Mandarin Chinese, and I just, wasn't, I just wasn't understanding. So I got easily discouraged because I wasn't understanding them. Then I went to this church called Higher Ground Church, where one of the languages they spoke was English. They also spoke Tagalog, which was the language of the Philippines, and Chinese. Um, the congregation was very small, and the majority were Filipino migrant workers who came to Taiwan to work from the Philippines to provide for their families. Um, and in that small church, I truly saw um, and witnessed people from different nations, tribes, people, and languages worshiping God. We started this chapel reading from Revelation, um, and that I truly saw that in, in real life. Um, they work, Filipino migrant workers, they work all week with little pay, harsh conditions, and they, yet they still come every Sunday to worship God. Um, and so I just wanted to encourage everyone here um, to go to an um, intercultural or international church in your area, whether it be here um, in Kentucky or where you come from, all over the states, um, and, uh, see, and see people worship the Lord in their own language and in their own culture, to see the fruit of worship, even if it's in a different language. When I was like, when I was little, I got easily discouraged because I couldn't understand the words they were saying, but I could just look around me and see the fruit of worship, to see people from that weren't the same culture as me, that didn't speak the same language as me, but they still were worshiping him and giving him all the praise and glory. And even though I wasn't understanding them, I could still understand them, if that makes sense. We were on the same plane. Um, and while I was um, reflecting and meditating on this, while I was preparing to speak today, um, one thing that stuck out to me was that there is no heaven that is exclusive to one language or cult culture over the other. I'll say that again. There is no heaven that is exclusive to one language or culture over the other. The glory of God transcends over all racial, ethnical, and national barriers. The gospel is for all people. However, hearing different languages spoken um, in the church doesn't always mean a different language from other countries. I don't know about you, but a lot of the times I feel that there are, have been, um, you know, there's different denominations, different um, churches that have their own language. Uh, many people interpret the Bible differently than each other. And one of my struggles, um, I'll be honest with you, one of my struggles as a Christian today is that I get so caught up about what Christians are saying, what the humans are saying, and not what the Bible is saying. I get stuck depending on my, I get stuck depending my faith on words and not the word. And I have to keep reminding myself, you know, scripture 
is the foundation of the church. In everything, we must revert back to the original text. You know, if you find yourself discouraged by Christianity as a religion, I encourage you to dive into scripture, to dive into the Bible, and focus solely on your relationship with Jesus and what he means to you. And hopefully through that, you can uh, have a better foundation uh, in the midst of all these opinions and voices in the church that may flood your minds, that may cloud your minds. Um, when I was younger, I definitely didn't have that firm foundation, so I got easily discouraged. Um, but once I started to read my Bible more I, and listen to God rather than uh, people, I have more assurance that he will stay faithful and he will not abandon me. Dive into the word. Don't be discouraged. Additionally, expand your experience of the global church to get a little taste of what heaven will look like. Um, thank you so much for listening, and I hope you all have a wonderful day, and God bless you. <laughs> Hello, everyone. In case you don't know me, my name is Sam Reed, and thank you. And I am going to be sharing a bit more about just my personal story and you know, why I am the way I am and the things that I've learned in my travels or lack thereof. So the story begins back in 1997 when my parents met. You see, my dad is an American who grew up in Spain and my mom is a Mexican who grew up around American missionaries. So them getting together was a natural cultural mishmash from the start. They got married in Mexico, came to the U.S., and then I was born, my sister was born, and then when I was seven, I came, well, I went back to Mexico. And that's important because at seven years old, that's plenty of time to gain memories and associate things with places. So I already had this perception that the U.S. was my home, that this is where I belonged. And going to Mexico was just a huge blow, and the truth is, I hated it. I hated it for the longest time. Um, and I just refused to take part in any cultural activities or anything related to Mexico at all, except Spanish, but that was inevitable. Um, it was years of just actively resisting tacos and the Day of the Dead and yeah, everything that's taken for granted here, I actively pushed that out of my life. I was too American for that, which is saying something. <sighs> yeah, um, needless to say, it wasn't an easy life, and I didn't necessarily want to be living that way, but I didn't know how else to do it. You know, this U.S. was all I knew, and I didn't know how to kind of blend that with my current circumstances. And it was, let's see, it was 2008, it wasn't until 2017, I think, that I truly kind of came to really, not just accept where it was, but enjoy it. That's where it came to really appreciate Mexico, what it was. And the reason why was because in 2016, there was a furlough trip that my family took for three months, we came to the U.S. 
we did off and on um, come back for like to kind of do ministry and try to get people to give us money so we could continue to live in Mexico, yada, yada, yada. But three months going from place to place, from door to door, is a lot. Um, we traveled to, I think, like 30 different states and slept in like 20 of them. So that was hard. But I'll never forget uh, when I went back to my home church in Mount Prospect. This is the church that I grew, basically grew up in while I lived there. And a lot of people asked me, how does it feel to be home? And for anyone who's been to different, lived in different places, you know that that's kind of a tricky question. You know, where are you from? What is home for you? It's a loose question. And I think I ne never had to really confront it until then, until I went back to this church all these years later. This, this church was among many things about the U.S. that I just put on a pedestal as like where I really belonged. But now that I was back, I didn't know what this place was. I didn't recognize it. It, was, it certainly wasn't home to me anymore. Mexico was. That was the first time I really kind of came to that realization that, like it or not, this is where I belong. Um, so I finally, it was around that time that I finally came to like appreciate Mexico, even though there's still things I hated about it and still do to this day. That's where I live. That's where I'm from. That's where I have a citizenship and a passport and a family, most importantly, and friends. That's where I live, and yeah, so I, like, I, I finally learned to put my anger aside with regards to this um, identity that I could never define for so long, and accept that my identity's a mess, and that's okay. So the reason I bring all this up goes back to the concept of unity. Unity's hard. It's really hard. I mean, I'm, I mean again, I'm, well, I'm as down the middle Mexican-American as it gets. And it took me nine years to come to appreciate that. And truthfully, I, don't, I couldn't even tell you how I did it. I think at some point God just kind of gave me clarity magically and said, you're, you're Mexican, deal with it. Uh, so I finally did. And, yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I still feel like the differences, the push and pull, the fish out of water sentiment, it's always a part of me. And navigating these cultural differences is a challenge. It's a part of life. It's why I don't get mad when people talk about, like, they can't figure out Spanish or they don't want to travel or something. I get it. It takes a lot out of you because it, it requires efforts to really put yourself in that position where you're going into a place that you definitely don't belong and try to make something of it. It's not an easy process, and I respect anyone who decides to go for it anyway. So, yeah, all that to say, stay strong, stay unified, however hard it may be, and thank you for listening. Uh, hello, everybody. Are you still with us? Yeah, awesome. Um, well, thank you all for coming. Um, and uh, thanks to our speakers again uh, for just sharing part of your stories. I really appreciate you all. Um, 
so for those of you who don't know me, my name's Dakota. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Um, and I'm humbled to have the opportunity to share with you all today about unity. Um, so as a cabinet, when we were talking about kind of this theme and figuring this out, the first thing that came to mind was like racial and cultural sort of reconciliation. Um, and as we read earlier in Revelation 7, 9, the ultimate reality of the family of God is a body of believers from all nations and tribes and tongues, which is awesome. Like, do you all think that's awesome? I think that's kind of awesome. Um, but when we look at our world today, and even at the church today, you don't really see that acted out a lot. Um, or when we do see it acted out, we like to turn a blind eye to it. Uh, but we don't even just do this in terms of race. We do it in terms of male and female, denomination, personality type, even like, you know, otter, beaver, lion, uh, golden retriever, all of that stuff. Um, and like socioeconomic status and educational status. And the list goes on. But thankfully, we have a piece that has the power to break down these things, which the Bible calls dividing walls, and that's embodied in the person of Jesus Christ. Amen? And I think one thing that God's been teaching me myself, um, but also for every believer, is that if we're going to experience this peace in the church uh, and in the world today, then before absolutely anything else, we need to know how to love people. Um, so in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about unity and diversity in the kingdom of God in relation to giftings. And he gives this illustration that many of us know, which is the body of Christ. And he says in verses 15 to 16, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. So here Paul addresses the idea that we make up these distinctions based on our diversity and we use that to tear up the body. Um, and we tell people, or when we tell people or when we allow ourselves to be told that we don't belong because we don't fit the mold or we don't serve the function that we think we should, or at least um, like we, we think that we don't belong together um, or that we're, we can't be unified. Um, but there is only one body of Christ and there is only one qualification to be part of the body of Christ. And it's not that we need to have a seminary degree or that we need to be rich or that we need to be a member of a particular race. But Paul says in verses 13, 14, uh, for we are all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So we must accept Jesus as our Lord and be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the qualification. That said, Paul talks about various gifts and even encourages the Corinthian church to seek after these gifts. But then he says this in verse 31, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And from here, Paul enters into 1 Corinthians 13, which is a pretty popular passage if you all have had the chance to read it about what love looks like and how love is paramount. And as many of us know, Love is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. It's Holy Spirit who teaches us how to love people, and they're inseparable. Now, I don't know about you, but I know that for myself, I struggle with that a lot. Uh, I struggle with allowing others to love me, like accepting their love and accepting God's love. Uh, but I also struggle with loving other people. And when it comes to interacting with people who are different than me, especially, a lot of times I'm so afraid of either rejection or awkwardness or making a fool of myself that I find that I can't really love them well to begin with. Um, and I prefer to stay kind of divided because that's safe and that makes me feel comfortable. 
But thank God that he calls us to something so much better, because he always does. Um, so I want to close by reading some of 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. And I just want us to honestly reflect on not only what love is, but how well we're currently loving others and how well we're currently allowing ourselves to be loved by others. Because that's part of what unity is. It's not just saying, hey, I'm going to like not ostracize you. It's stepping into that community yourself and being willing to be vulnerable, um, especially with those uh, from different cultures or dispositions that make loving them really hard. And so I want you, as we enter back into musical worship after I read, to ask the Holy Spirit to show you ways that you can surrender to him in that. If there's something that you need to kind of allow him to step into, that you've been kind of like not living in that intimacy with him because of that, um, let him speak that to you and kind of receive that. Or if he's kind of calling you to step out and to love others better, then ask him to show you how to do that. And it's probably going to be both because um, that's kind of just how our lives work. Um, and I, one last thing before I read, because closing takes a while when you're me. Um, remember that uh, unity is found along the journey of like learning how to love people as well. God does some of his best healing and his best work through community, and he definitely uses community to teach us how to love well. And so even as we're learning and growing, we're unified in Christ and in his love, like already. So starting in verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Thank you.